0: In today's episode, we discuss dopamine and how to fix your brain, the carnivore diet, the dangers of sugar, the importance of mindset, and who really runs the medical and education industries. I really think you'll enjoy today's episode. and If you do, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod: Finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the ice pod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the ice pod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with a 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the ice pod is super durable and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out carnivoresnacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host Shane Sornson. I'm here with today's guest, Sarah Zaldivar. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Shane. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks. Thanks for coming on. I'm I'm excited to get another carnivore person on the show. Um, I know we talked a little bit, you know, off off camera here to start about some of my experiences. So excited to you know pick your brain on that and get some of your uh, feedback and experiences on that as well. So. Uh, to start out, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yes. you and your background?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, where should I start? So currently, I'm a nutrition professor, I guess. This is the part that people understand easily. It's like, okay, you're a nutrition professor at Miami-Dade College. Um, but really, I feel like that's the l- smallest part of what I do. I mainly focus my energies on being a content creator, a nutritional researcher. I put out a lot of nutrition information about Um, the carnivore diet, um, exercise, and uh, food addiction, which everybody hates to hear that where Nobody thinks they're an addict until they actually try to stay away (laughs) from the food. And it's like, whoa. Um, But uh, mainly what I would say is that I'm focused a lot on optimizing dopamine and fixing that dopamine deficit that people Mm -hmm. live their lives, um, not even realizing they have that because that's the root cause of uh, why you can stick to your diet, why you can make enough money, why you can't stand up for yourself, why you don't have confidence, that dopamine deficit. And because of our addictions, whether it's the video games or social media or carbohydrates and the sweet tastes, you know, food addiction, whatever the case may be, um we've destroyed our dopamine right we we've destroyed our baseline level of dopamine because every time you release some dopamine especially from a from let's say cake or cupcake or playing a video game in in an unnatural way which means too much too soon of dopamine it actually ends up destroying the receptors that dopamine have to bind to for you to feel the effects of dopamine so um you get a small burst of a dopamine hit you feel good for a few seconds or maybe a few minutes but then a few hours later and then when you wake up the next morning you don't have enough of the receptors that dopamine have to bind to in order for you to feel the uh mood and motivation effects of dopamine so as addictions progress your baseline level of dopamine over time drops and drops and drops and drops and this is when now you're engaging in addictive foods or behaviors not to feel mm. high anymore it's just to bring you back up to normal to what it was before you started the addiction so I would say the vast majority of my content lately has been focused a lot on dopamine optimization um, yeah that's in a nutshell if you want like the academic background i have my bachelor's and my master's in nutrition and dietetics and um my uh doctorate my phd in exercise physiology and nutrition from the university of miami and um I've just, you know, been in academia doing research and teaching nutrition and exercise physiology courses for decades now at the University of Miami and Miami-Dade College and DeVry University. And I and the American College of Sports Medicine, where I've conducted workshops for them, training um, potential personal trainers to not fail the mm-hmm. CPT exam, the personal trainer exam, because it's so hard to, to, to get that ACSM certification. It's like the gold standard or the hardest one to get. So, you know, I've done a lot of the traditional ones um, and I have a lot to say about traditional academia. I don't know if you want to go there, but you know, that's, uh, that's, that's I'm me in you. a
0: nutshell. Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. We'll, I, we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, yeah. Something like, I didn't even realize that you were working so much on, um, you know, dopamine currently, because that's something that I've been thinking a lot about and something I've been wrestling with, you know there's a couple of things I wanted to add. So first off, I know we were talking off camera and we'll talk about this later a little bit more too, that for a while I was doing like full keto carnivore and I added fruit back in. So something that's interesting is when I was fully keto and I did it for, it was probably, you know, three months, two and a half, three months that I was doing full keto. It was amazing that I completely lost cravings for carbohydrates completely. Like My, uh, my fiance could be sitting there. I I would literally make her a bowl of this, like really good carbonara that I make and hand it to her. And I'd just be eating a steak with avocado next to her. And I, there was no desire to take even a piece of the pasta, not even a taste. Like it it was the weirdest thing that my desire for carbohydrates completely went away. No pasta, no bread, no, no anything. Then, Mm -hmm. um, I started adding fruit back in. And as soon as I started adding fruit back in, like this past weekend, I had this craving. I was like, let's order a pizza. And we didn't order a pizza, but Mm. I was like this close to doing it because those cravings were back. Uh, So it's interesting, right? I know a lot about dopamine as well, um, but I never really thought about that. And that makes a lot of sense is like, you know, you start out with the fruit and then it's white rice and then it's like pasta and then it's processed bread and then it's, you know, candy. Right. So it it makes a lot of sense because your body's like, give me the next hit. And um, when I was doing keto, I I had like a piece of like, I don't just like a piece of pineapple, like a really like a bite of pineapple. And I remember it was like the sweetest thing that I'd ever tasted. It was, it was like, I was eating a, uh, like a candy bar. Uh, And I just, I I guess I never really thought about, you know, how that plays in, you know, the, the diet and. It is,
1: it is the the carbohydrate or the sweet taste, both Um, sweet taste is a um, characteristic of carbohydrate. It is a carbohydrate. that we get addicted to really, and a more lethal combination is when you combine carbohydrates with fats together, because this never happened um, in nature ever and uh, we're not equipped to deal with that and studies consistently show this burst of dopamine. Rats consistently prefer the sweet taste by a large margin over heroin and cocaine. Not just cocaine, the cocaine studies are the old studies, you know, but um, the newer studies that came out, I mean, kind of new, 2017, um, they've been replicated now using heroin and and they, they all show the same exact results Rats Mm -hmm. will consistently prefer the sweet taste even from artificial sweeteners by a large margin over heroin. And so that makes sense when you remember that we never had this kind of sweetness in in nature. Even up until the last 200, 300 years, we never had that because it's only when we started hybridizing the fruits and making them larger with less fiber Mm -hmm. and more sugar content that we really start having those in our food supply. Um, but before those last 300 years, even the fruits that we did consume very occasionally—if you look up the the history of them and you look at the wild versions of watermelon, bananas, pineapples—it's incredible how disgusting they were. All seedy, all fibrous, almost almost no sweetness. Even the berries, most of them were tart right. or you know bitter. <laughs> so and very tiny. So we never really consume those foods. And so our brains aren't equipped to deal with that. And now that we have created the, these Franken fruits, which I don't think are natural fruits, I think those are all just, we we created them. Um, now we're realizing, oh, not only is it not healthy for us, metabolically speaking, but we we get so hooked on them so quickly because... Um, we are always looking for calorically dense foods because we have ancient brains that evolved for the vast majority of the time, for ninety nine point ninety nine percent of its time, at risk of not having enough food, at risk of famine, and so it is. We're, we're our brains are primed to always seek out calorically dense foods. This is why it's so easy to get hooked on on foods. It's it's actually, and this is something that once you start diving deeper into the addiction literature you notice how crazy this is it's so much easier to quit alcohol it's so much easier to quit smoking heroin cocaine because you stop it and that's it and people everybody around you they understand okay they won't you know keep the stuff around you you're not being targeted by ads 24 7 but it Mm. is a lot harder to stop the food addiction because it's everywhere. People don't understand how addictive it is. They're very casual in their approach towards it. And you've got a trillion dollar food industry without any balances or checks hooking you from from the age of infancy, you know, age of onset of a drug introduction is one of the single greatest determinants of how severe your addiction ends up being you know and and I know I think people get put off by the addiction word because they have this idea like addiction means that's it it's over I can't overcome it and obviously that's not true you know it's uh, there is it's, we have to understand that it's not the end of the world if you get addicted we all get addicted and then we can get sober vast majority of people eventually do get sober from their addictions anyway if you look at the data um, so it's like you can you can be aware that this is an addiction and uh, at the same time, be aware that there's so much you can do. You can fix that dopamine deficit and you can overcome it rather easily. I think you know, once you have the tools.
0: Yeah. That that's really interesting. And it, it makes me think too, when you said it's so much harder to break like a food addiction because also food is such a source of bonding for human beings. And it's, it's probably something that goes all the way back to just the tribe, right? You, you, like the the tribe starts the fire and everybody gets together and shares a meal around the fire at the end of the hunt. But yeah, when you want to meet up with someone that you haven't seen in a while, what, what's the first thing we always do? Oh, let's, let's go grab coffee. Let's go grab food. And it's so hard. I, I've, I basically just only go to steakhouses now because at least there's an option um, but I know even with steakhouses, right? It's some some of them they come with sides and you have to ask for no sides and um you have to be wary of like the oils that are used and how the how the right. steak is actually prepared. So the it's rub, it's
1: the marinate, yeah. yeah.
0: But it's I mean it's super difficult mm-hmm. to and I, I'm not like a very social person. I just I hang out with my fiance. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean I'm like <laughs> yeah. I'm a recluse. So I know. It's a little easier for me. Yeah. yeah. But I can only imagine, you know, if if I was a very social person, how difficult it would be, because that's no matter what you do with someone, anytime you hang out, it always there's always food somewhere.
1: Every single client of mine who tells me, oh, I have an active social life. They always they can never get fit. Never. Yeah. Every single client of mine who likes to go out more than even just once a week or more than once a week to see friends. They never get fit. Those are the people that you will never see get fit. They they just, they just go through life looking average, basically, because even that tiny, tiny bit of discipline that they need to go from looking relatively good to looking amazing, they don't even have that when you go out like that. And you're, oh, friends and family and food, or what, people who label themselves as a foodie. What's a foodie? You're an addict. <laughs> That's a foodie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It-
0: yeah, it's, I mean, it look, it, it's tough. And there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of the old adages about you are a amalgamation of like the 10 people that you spend the most time with. So yeah, right. that, that's something that we it have was to be.
1: five people.
0: Maybe, maybe it is five. It?
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay.
0: But it, it is definitely, whether it's five, whether it's seven or 10 or 20, whatever it is, like it, it is true that the people that we spend around our time around, we pick up their habits, we Pick up little, you know, sayings that they have. We pick up their philosophy. So I, I think it's so important, and maybe something that's not emphasized enough to people is you really do have to be careful about who you choose to spend your time with because they yeah. they will shape you. We're just as human beings. We're we're like designed to be these social creatures, and the, the people that you're around, you you pick up things, and you try to blend into the group and.
1: So true. We, we even have dedicated, specialized brain cells or neurons called mirror neurons mm-hmm. that their sole purpose is to make us do and mimic what other people around us are doing or saying. You know, that's how babies learn so many things very quickly, just by mimicking the adults or the other people in the room. So mirror neurons are very powerful. This is why when you join a community, so for example, what my coaching clients, like they have a group chat on discord and so now they they know one another and like once you identify with that community you take on that that identity and that identity of that community is like we're fit or we're gonna get fit and we'll do whatever it takes and like there's a certain kind of um set of values in there where that you adopt and it becomes easier for you to adopt it once you start to identify with this group of people
0: Mm -hmm. this conversation's got so many interesting like uh branches that I'm trying to stay focused but I I wanted to ask you a little bit more on the dopamine so <clears throat> something that I've really been wrestling with on a personal level lately is like staying off the phone right and it is really? it's it's an addiction like it is a it's a it's a full blown addiction at this point and most people have the same thing I understand it's a common thing but most people won't acknowledge it like I I realize it yeah and I've I've done a lot of different things to. First off, like the, well, a lot of the way that I stay disciplined is I just remove things. So if something's bothering me, I just cut it out. It's just always been very easy for me to just make the decision of like, okay, this is a negative source of something for my life, so just you're gone. It's it's out. I'm not going to deal with it. People too. What's that?
1: People too.
0: Absolutely. That's that's a part of why I I just I don't really carry a lot of friends because. Yeah. Me too. For for I, me. I kind of got
1: that from you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always feel like, like I like people, like I like human beings, but human beings are messy and difficult. Like, and a lot of times through life I'll, I'll have like a friend and then, you know, they, they want to go do something and you're like, Hey, I can't tonight. And then they get like upset.
1: Right. And I was like,
0: I don't want to deal with your negative energy. Like it's, it's not worth it to me. I'm, I'm very yeah. self-sufficient to, to basically have you try to guilt trip me because I can't go to this thing tonight. Or, you know, I can't go get this food cause I'm on a diet or I'm not going to go drink with you tonight cause I don't drink and that doesn't fit my lifestyle. And so yeah. it's just kind of been easier for me to like, just like disappear and yeah. kind of go into my yeah, little- I agree. <laughs> but, yeah. um,
1: I have so much to say about that, but yeah, let's keep it focused. Yeah.
0: <laughs> with, with the phone thing. Um, so it's really difficult obviously because of the social media. Like I I need to do posts every day. I need to record. I need to, um, I use Instagram for example, for a lot of like my, my networking and just sourcing guests and communicating. So just like selling my iPhone and getting a dumb phone is not an option. As much as I like, I want to do it, it. It's, it's not really practical. I think it would hurt my productivity in the long run. So one of the things I tried to do was I, I got an Apple watch, which I just never really needed a watch. And what I've been trying to do is like, all right, take the phone. And for example, at work, I leave my phone in the office so I can still mm. answer my phone if my boss calls. I can still, you know, respond to my fiance and like, um, and then I kind of try to take like, okay, I'm going to take a, you know, a 15 minute break or whatever and have a snack and I can do a post real quick or Right. Um, and same thing in the morning. Like I just, I try to put my phone in a drawer and just keep my watch with me. However, like that, there's still that, like, sometimes cool. you, just, yeah. you pick up your phone and you don't even think about it. And then you're just, you're doom scrolling for 30 minutes. What do you have any tips? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the brain rehab program that I put all my clients on, I filmed a YouTube video on that. Um, it's basically you have to to fix that dopamine deficit. Because mm-hmm. you have some, okay? whether it's from food, whether it's from the social media addiction, we've all destroyed some level of those dopamine receptors. They're called D2 receptors, because dopamine is like a lock and key situation. It gets released and it has to attach to a, its receptor on the cell surface of the adjacent brain cell, right? So it gets released from a brain cell, it has to attach to the new receptor on the cell surface of an adjacent brain cell. So dopamine attaches to its receptor, which is D2 receptor. And um, that's when you feel the beneficial effects of dopamine. But you do have multiple receptors that also some, some of them play a role in addiction. You've got D1, D2, D3, D4. But the vast majority of the studies and the most powerful evidence we have with regards to addiction has to do with the specifically the D2 receptor. It's that, that protein that seems to be um, the most important in addiction. So... Y- over time as you get more and more addicted the number of the d2 receptors on the cell surface of adjacent brain cells starts to dwindle down so now even if you're pumping out dopamine because you're having cookies you have all this dopamine being released but not enough d2 receptors for it to attach to so that you actually feel the high right from that dopamine so this is how you build tolerance now you have let's say say you started with five d2 receptors as addiction progresses now you only have one so now in order to get the same level of dopamine hit in your brain you want to increase the amount of cookies you're eating so that you release even more dopamine so that the frequency with which that dopamine hits the d1 the, the d2 receptor um, is increased because if the number of times you hit that receptor also increases the feeling of dopamine uh, activity and so this is this is how people build tolerance but then after the cookies are done or the scrolling is done hmm very quickly afterwards and even when you wake up in the morning your baseline level of mood or your baseline dopamine is you feel determined terrible by, you feel terrible, it's so terrible. afterwards Why? It's just because you don't yeah. have enough d2 receptors because right. the less d2 receptors you have the less likely you have this lock and key situation happening so even though you have a certain pool of dopamine there but there's not enough d2 receptors now to bind to so you are feeling depressed anxious um, more likely to seek out more external dopamine hits because your internal dopamine system now is malfunctioning and it's hypofunctioning, basically. So you're living life with a dopamine deficit. So the only way for you to be able to resist the urges to scroll down and resist the urges to have that pizza and resist the urges for any addictive temptation is to go back and increase the number of D2 receptors so you go back from the one that you have to bring in it back to five obviously this is a hypothetical mm-hmm. number it's in the I don't know millions or trillions or more <laughs> you know sure. so how do you do that brain rehab program anything that is painful is going to trigger your brain to increase its production of D2 receptors so that at baseline you have a higher level of D2 receptors anything painful like cold plunges, maybe fasting. Um, I'd be careful if you have food addiction, don't do, I wouldn't consider fasting a good approach to raise D2 receptors, that's not mm-hmm. my favorite. Um, <clears throat> meditation, but my favorite, and what I think for most people who work with me because they wanna fix the dopamine deficit, they wanna get over their food addiction, and or, or even if they don't identify as an addict, like they, they just don't wanna have cravings or they don't wanna be binge eating, you know? Um, the best thing would be exercise because that helps them drop all the weight and at the same time increase their uh, dopamine baseline and fix that dopamine deficit. And then usually we go above and beyond. Like, why why just fix it? Why not just optimize for your dopamine? Um, Mm -hmm. So exercise, the longer and the more intense the exercise, the more of the D2 receptor upregulation you have. So in other words, the more intense and the longer the exercise, the higher your baseline dopamine level gets. Mm-hmm. And this is where people lose it. <laughs> it's like, sure. You're going to tell me I have to earn it, I have to move, and it's like, what about just weight training? It's like, no, you need also cardio. You need to, As a matter of fact, if anything, I would go with cardio first and weight training second. Ideally, you want to do both.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, man, I don't know. I like doing all that stuff. I work out twice a day. I do do my cold bath every morning. Um and I, I think too, like just just on a you know, from a personal level, I have addiction in my family too. So I know mm-hmm. that and that's part of why I just I've never drank, I've never messed with drugs. I, I think there there's a part of me that identifies that I have an addictive personality. Like even I when I get into something, um, I heard a quote by uh, Bill Gates one time and he said, I don't have a TV. And the interviewer was like, why do you not have a TV? And he's like, cause I just, he's like, I get obsessed with things. And he's like, you know, if I find a show that I like, I'm going to binge watch it or, yeah. um, you know, and I'm, I, I'm a little bit like that, but it's like, I, I do get very into things when something is exciting to me. I, I put a lot of energy to it and yeah. it's that's
1: a good thing, right? Yeah, that's, it's like that's I guess it's a double-edged in,
0: sword, right? Is mm. that that so curiosity, like, this, mm-hmm.
1: because there are two ways to work out, right? So, what does your workout program look like right now?
0: Um, so, so I mean, right now, you know, it's it's weight training in the mornings uh, before work, and then usually after work, jujitsu in the evenings. Or if I can't make it to jujitsu, um, I, I may run once or twice a week too. And typically when I run, I'll do, I'll do like steady state, I'll run a 5k on the treadmill or
1: there you have it. Mm-hmm. So are you progressing with your speed week by week?
0: There was a point where I was, but not, not really anymore. I guess I kind of fell into like that idea okay. of just kind of maintenance.
1: So right now you're maintaining this level of baseline dopamine. Clearly mm-hmm. that's not enough because you're still having the urges. And that's Mm -hmm. where people will be like, well, I already, you know, work out because I get that a lot, you know, a little bit of pushback Mm -hmm. when when I'm like, push harder. (laughs) But I don't know every person's exact baseline level of dopamine. The best way to determine that is their signs and symptoms. Okay, are you still having cravings? So that means we need to raise it even higher. Are you still having urges and temptations? We still need to raise it higher. It seems that once my clients get to eight miles a day of intense training, most of them no longer binge or have cravings, including myself, by the way. Mm -hmm. And when I mean eight miles, I'm talking eight miles in a very intense way. So the quicker you can get those done, ideally in less than an hour, which Mm -hmm. is very hard to do, I know, but maybe an hour, an hour and a half. better because if you're if you're just walking eight miles that's not upregulating anything because you want to spend time under tension it's only the time under tension it's only those uncomfortable minutes that are kind of like painful or uncomfortable that triggers the brain to waste its resources on upregulating d2 receptors because The dopamine system is an anesthetic system. It suppresses the pain. And so it raises your pain threshold, the higher your dopamine levels are, and Mm. the more D2 receptors you have. So here's the solution. Whatever you're running at right now, let's say you're doing 5K in how much time?
0: Uh, 20, 24, 25 minutes, something like that. I don't really push myself too hard.
1: Well, that's the thing you want that the the pushing minutes what i do with Mm -hmm. my clients i don't care how much they work out during the day i tell them all of this is useless to me because if you're running 13 miles but it's taking you 10 hours that's not really what i'm after i'm after the time under tension i have them (laughs) track the number of uncomfortable minutes per day and for my more advanced clients and for myself, what I do, I track two things. I track the very uncomfortable minutes. This is when I'm sprinting and I want to kill myself. And then I have another column, which is the number of uncomfortable minutes. But it's it's the kind of un- discomfort that I can stay at for like 30, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. So I track both intensities. So you have to have those minutes of very uncomfortable... Um, minutes in order to upregulate your d2 receptors and then as you get faster and faster and faster with your 5k are you still having urges then add one more k and and keep getting faster with that Mm -hmm. it is almost impossible to keep having temptations or urges or distractions at some point like there's no way because you you upregulate your d2 receptor level to a certain level everything else falls into place. And I keep discovering new things that change in my personality, the higher I go with the D2 receptors or with the baseline level of dopamine. It's just incredible. Um, the self-confidence, no anxiety, no depression. Um, it's like I popped a couple of Adderall pills, but then there's no crash. That's the beautiful mm-hmm. things like clean cocaine, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting. I keep saying, "Well, okay, then what? Where is the limit?" And I don't think there is. I think that's pretty much what David Goggins is trying to figure out: like, where are the limits? And I don't think there are. You know, um, so I think you're doing the right thing. Up you the just intensity, have to though. Do, up massively. Like, yeah. you okay. want to feel like you're dying. So I get those. I'm dying minutes. I get twenty. 20 to 25 minutes of those a day but the way that i do them is like 10 minutes i walk sprint 10 minutes i walk you know or i'll do eight mm-hmm. minutes and i'll walk another eight minutes i walk five minutes and I, you know so i do that but i make sure every day i get those brutal brutal minutes because that's the only thing that matters everything else you know it's like you're just maintaining the only time you upregulate is you got to give your brain a reason to waste its resources to increase dopamine. If it's not uncomfortable, why would it raise its dopamine? Why would it create more of an anesthetic effect from an anesthetic molecule? It means, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So you you got to get uncomfortable. And, and this is what people try to run all their lives away from, right? Like, no, no, it's got to be a, a better diet, a better ha- hack, a better um, situation, you know, maybe. And I see, I, I get all of the. Uh, all of the ways that we try to weasel ourselves out of it, because I used to be that person too.
0: We want it to be easy. That's the thing. It's like we just, we we crave ease and comfort.
1: Yes. But if you really want ease and comfort, you have to, you have to get uncomfortable because otherwise your life is going to slowly unravel as most people have, uh, have discovered right so either way you're gonna be uncomfortable the trick is to choose your heart be in control of the heart and the Mm -hmm. beautiful thing is I think eventually those uncomfortable minutes you start to like them it's almost like the sadistic weird (laughs) experience where it's not you know your pain threshold goes up right yeah
0: that's so, it's great advice, and you. It's funny you were definitely channeling your inner David Goggins there, because be, before you even mentioned David Goggins, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of him like, you know, you're gonna do a thousand pull ups, and like, and that's your warm up, you know, and then then we're gonna do a thousand I, more, and like.
1: That's what I listen to when, in those minutes where I'm killing myself. I yeah. prepare my cardio playlist to so that it's David Goggins shouting at me in those those minutes. So I can hang in there for a few more minutes.
0: I, I know that I've heard him say that he will he will look at like angry comments that people leave that they're like talking bad about him and then he'll record himself <laughs> reading them and he'll go on a run for three hours and he'll just be yeah. listening to like the hateful comments as he's running. So
1: That is hilarious. Yeah, I don't do that. I just what I do, I'm visualizing upregulation of my d2 receptors that's all i'm doing you know that's and it's just so exciting and the more dopamine you start having your personality changes like you're a completely different person for the better you know um and it's like wow this is amazing i wonder what more i can get out of this let's do more let's do more you know so um yeah i i have yet to see a client of mine not completely cure their binge eating their cravings their addictions um, but, but with, you know, without, but by applying this method, like if you apply it, it is inevitable. It's going to work. It's just that the vast majority of people wildly underestimate what it actually takes to get there. You know, mm-hmm. the beautiful thing is as your intensity goes up and up, the time that you dedicate for working out remains the same. I mean, you can choose to go David Goggins and do four hours. Yeah. It's up to you. But even if you don't do that, you can just do one hour a day. But that, in that one hour where you were doing, let's say, the 5K, eventually you can do 6K, 7K, 8K, 9K, 10K. I mean, there are no limits. The fastest, Usain Bolt, the fastest runner hits a speed. I Googled it the other day. It was, 20, I think, 27 miles an hour. Can sprint, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're doing five miles an hour. It's like, oh my gosh, this is hard. It's like, come on, yeah, come on. You got the rest of your life to get to twenty k. It's a twenty miles per hour. You can do it. (laughs) What else you got to do? You know, what's the point of hopping on a treadmill or going out for a run if you're just gonna maintain your dopamine levels or your fitness? Like, what's the point? You know, I I love the quote by Tony Robbins: "Progress is the very foundation of happiness." That's what happiness is. Mm -hmm. You know. So if you're constantly maintaining, you eventually get bored with it and the aging process eventually takes hold. So now you're not even maintaining. Now it's even hard to maintain that, right? Because you're just getting older over time. So you want the rate of progress to be much faster than the rate of
0: decay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I, uh, I I love the mindset. And it's something I talk about in my book too, like the Greek term eudaimonia or this Sort of state of flourishing that we reach when we're continuously making progress right and of course you know you can never reach perfection there's this blurred line somewhere that we're we're reaching towards but it's it's that pursuit that gives us so much fulfillment and so much meaning in our lives so i think i think i need to apply that into my into my fitness a little bit more too great great advice
1: It's not just for that. It's for your finances, really. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is not one single area in your life that is not mainly determined by your baseline level of dopamine. Everything is determined by your dopamine levels. Because what you think you can accomplish in the next three months is determined on what you're looking at your uh, abilities right now. But your abilities right now are limited by your dopamine levels. So if you quadruple that, that means you can quadruple your income that means you can quadruple your fitness results
0: it it sounds like you have a book in the works if you don't i
1: guess i should you,
0: you need to write this book <laughs> Move about
1: over andrew huberman
0: <laughs> yeah you need to write the book about dopamine like why why dopamine is everything right it sounds it is you, yeah start start writing i have so
1: many yeah. things i got to be doing i just yeah. um had my assistant have a a new project like let's do a weight loss guide let's you know I was starting putting out like things like that but yeah maybe then um have him start writing because there's no way that I'm going to write like I'm gonna have to pull up the studies and have him write it for me because that's the only way it's gonna get done uh but i think that's yeah, great because i don't think anybody is talking about this especially in the space that i'm in which is mainly carnivore a lot of my audience is carnivore and mm-hmm. y'all talk about you know how important it is to eat meat blah 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 But it's like nobody can do it <laughs> everybody's addicted and sure. so i feel like i'm the only person talking about the root cause of all of this stuff and then as i've evolved i've realized wait a second this has this is way bigger than food this is this is everything. This is how much money I'm making. This is yeah. my relationship. Setting boundaries. Um, getting comfortable saying no. Getting comfortable con- confronting somebody. Because you literally, it doesn't phase you. You're like very calm. You don't even feel anything if you're confronting somebody as long as you're in the right. It's everything.
0: Yeah, I'm Again, <laughs> I'm, I'm signing up for the, for the pre-order for the book. So... I'm you, gonna, gotta, I'm, you
1: gotta I'm, get working on it. I'm on
0: it. <laughs> so let, let's shift gears a little bit. I wanna um, pick your brain on carnivore just from some of your personal experience too. So I, I know you post a lot of the, like, kind of the before and after picture, right? And I'm assuming is that like before carnivore versus after carnivore, or is that just. Um,
1: no, not all of it is, has been on carnivore. A lot of it has been from my weight loss. I think it's like what 35 pounds, probably more. Mm -hmm. um that I've lost and I a lot of it has to do with a lot of mindset and keto that keto was a huge factor and learning so much um just in general about you know the importance of protein and but I I wouldn't say all of it is carnivore I think I think most of it is from carnivore um But yeah, like there's just so much, so much goes into, um, transforming your body. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of mindset too. Yeah. I think that's my answer. I don't know what else. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so I mean, with specifically with carnivore, how, how long have you been doing carnivore? And I know, I know you said hubby, like your husband is also doing the carnivore thing and he looks great. Right. Um, how long have y'all, y'all been doing that on a personal level?
1: It's so funny because he was more carnivore than I ever was. When I first met him, I was 26. And um, he, so we we have a a 24-year gap (laughs) between Mm. us. Um, And so when I met him, he was already lifting for a long time and he would just eat meats, especially lean meats. And the only vegetable he ate was a bit of spinach uh, on top with, let's say, chicken breast or ground turkey. And I remember when I first um we got together it it, would happen very quickly and i moved in very quickly and i remember telling him, like you gotta have your fruits and vegetables meanwhile i'm having bread and orange juice with my eggs for breakfast thinking that that's healthy because that's what i was taught you know as a dietitian that's what they tell you yeah so um he always he never said the word carnivore he wasn't thinking in terms of that but he just kind of knew uh being a bodybuilder um that you cut out the carbs you stay trim (laughs) and you know and so he did that um he would have a lot of snacks so his son was living with us because he was his when i met my hubby his son was 16 years old so he had like cereal and ritz crackers and things things like that around the house um and so my hubby would sometimes have those as snacks you know after he comes home he'll have dinner but then like maybe he'll have a a bowl of cereal or whatever on and off knowing that that's not ideal Mm -hmm. then i convinced him to compete so once he started competing that's when all the crap we got rid of everything and also that was when around that time is when his son got old enough to get his own place and you know so we we didn't have to keep this junk in the house and since then he's definitely been very very carnivore Um, and yeah I mean he is gonna turn 60 in December and he rocks abs he's shredded 24 seven like he's not he's not even, he doesn't even care about competing anymore he's like what's the point because his business is doing so well now and he's like i don't want to do like a business in fitness so i don't have a good incentive he's already won so many shows it's like yeah okay i know i can win so what like what's the point of competing so he's not even like having a goal of competing and he just maintains abs just to feel good about himself and to feel good and be healthy and he does that just by, yeah, mainly eating meats. The only thing is he'll, I'll make him keto cookies, which by the way, I'm gonna make him today because tomorrow is his cheat day. <laughs> so we have a cheat once a week and it's uh, keto cookies that are absolutely delicious. Um, and he can do that and, and yeah. So for me, it was, oh, it was so much more complex because I was brainwashed so heavily you know against carnivore against anything that other than what the academy of nutrition and dietetics puts out. that's before i realized that they were in bed with the food companies that's when you're young and you just you know believe everything your professor tells you and they never told us that the academy of nutrition and dietetics actually invests in the food companies like coca-cola can you can you believe that our (laughs) registered dietitians the largest organization of registered dietitians invest in coca-cola and there it's like they work they're on the same boards and they work hand in hand together um it's really incestuous
0: it's it's so it's so intermingled and just the like money money just pushes everything
1: to be a dietitian right it's like imagine having those initials like rd like do you know what that represents do you even know what does it mean to be a registered dietitian like it's embarrassing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know It's so, yeah, like I, I definitely went through a phase. I was like, oh my gosh, I wasted so much time and money to become a dietitian. This is, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow once you really do your research.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess like that, that was something I wanted to ask you about too. I mean, given that you're a professor, right? I mean, you're, you're actually, you actively teach. It, It kind of seems like carnivore, like, you know, spits into the face of what i mean it's it's really it's it's complete opposite of like what what you're told like the media tells you doctors tell you and i get it right like doctors don't really get training in nutrition and i get like i understand the background i understand how much money gets pumped in from pharmaceutical companies and like the the vested interest of people in power and the, the money wants us to be fat wants us to be sick wants us to be addicted it wants us to be uh Yeah, You know, just basically sheep that are like, that are, you know, herded around and told what to do and what to buy and to keep spending money. So I, I understand it's like this, he did hedonistic kind of like treadmill that the, the money has kind of pushed us into. But I mean, how does it work? Like being, being a professor in (laughs) nutrition and you're on a carnivore diet, because that certainly can't be what you're, you're teaching. Right. I mean.
1: Oh, that's everything I teach. Okay. I I I would never yeah. I imagine if with everything like I, I all my criticism of the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics, all the interviews I've given, all the content I put out every day. Mm-hmm. Imagine if I were to take a job where I have to teach the opposite. That's like
0: You're like eat your like Cheerios, of, that's how to be healthy.
1: Yeah, imagine. That's I yeah. That would be a worse job than a prostitute yeah. who's exchanging sex for money, you know? Because at least there's honesty there. It's like, listen, sex for money—very simple, very transparent. Nobody's lying to the other person. Yeah. But for me to know what I know and to go and I have to take a job where I have to lie—is—is is there any lower form of of existence? I don't think so. So no, I teach them all about the carnivore diet. <laughs> they just—I think Miami date hasn't caught up yet. <laughs> yeah. But my rate, my professor's reviews are like the best of the best. It's like 5.1 out of 5, which is, I didn't even know you could go higher than 5 over 5. So I have a waiting list. They keep expanding my classes. It used to be that you can only have 30 students at one time in a class. And then it's like everybody wants to take, because it's online. So of all the campuses of Miami Dade College, they can all take my class so everybody wants to be in this class and so they then it was okay 35 40 and now this past semester i was having 50 students a section oh, wow. It's like aren't you like not supposed to do that but hey whatever i'm happy you, you guys want to join my class and um yeah you you know students are are i I I tell them I'm like jealous because I wish I had a professor like me back when I was 18 it would have saved me so much (laughs) trial and error and and so many um, I I wouldn't have continued my education I definitely wouldn't have continued to get my doctorate because you lose all respect for your professors you lose all respect for the system Once you realize how wrong this information is, it's a waste of time, waste of money, waste of energy. And it's almost criminal at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And it's unfortunately like, it's not just, it's like, as you were saying earlier, um, we'll jump into this rabbit hole a little bit. It's like academia in in general, like it's, I I see it so much. uh, I mean, in, in everything in science and philosophy and medicine. And I mean like, look at look at everything that happened with COVID and just how like absolutely crazy people were about like follow the science, follow the science, blah, blah, blah. But you're like, there is no science. It, it just came out. There's like, where's the research? Where is the data? Right. Where, like, what is anyone basing this off of? You're, you're basing right. it off of a, a hypothetical Shane, thing. I need of, you
1: to stop your misinformation right now. Shane. I know, what, I know. What are you trying to say?
0: And it's, it's crazy. And I've I've been having so many conversations with people on the show just about like, how it's everything's so ingrained where it's like, if you go against everything is so narrative driven, I guess, right? It's like, it really is like the matrix. It's like, Here's what you're supposed to believe about nutrition. Here's what you're supposed to believe about philosophy. Here's what you're right. supposed to believe about science. Right. Here's,
1: here's, and, here's what Nestle wants you to believe about nutrition, right? Exactly. Here's what Pfizer yeah. wants you to believe about your health care. That's, that's the real thing. So who has the most amount of profit and money can drive the narrative? This is why the food companies spend 11 times more money to fund basic nutritional research as compared to our NIH yeah what does that tell you you know they figured out that if they they can just fund researchers and it's so easy to do that because funding money comes hard for us researchers right and so they figured out okay easy money comes from the food companies all you have to do is stay on their good side and you get tons and tons of papers that are completely useless junk science but the, the conclusion is like oh eating more, more fiber is better than eating Snickers bars 24/7. <laughs> Those right. are the kinds of people they're studying. You know, they wouldn't dare study a carnivore, a real carnivore like you and I. Like they would never put us in a study. Sure. Who's going to benefit, who's going to fund that study because we know what the results are going to be? Who's going to fund that study? Ranchers are barely hanging mm. by a by a thread, you know? Yeah. They don't have the money to, to yeah.
0: I mean, and it's, it's like, it's, it's so hard, right? Because even, even myself, like there's this little voice in the back of my head when I'm, I'm doing carnivore. So I guess I've been, I'll say, I, I guess I've been carnivore, like maybe six or seven months now. And before I was doing carnivore, I was actually, I was vegetarian for a while and, um, I, I felt really good for a while actually. Um, and then I started to feel pretty terrible, but, um, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is I have like Crohn's in my family. Um, and I have a lot of digestive issues. And when I was doing the vegetarian, I had constant digestion issues. And I think part of what happened was I was not absorbing anything that I was eating and so I just got like shredded. I got really, really, really lean and Mm. I was like, I felt good for a while. And I think that eventually I became like malnourished, even though I was like hammering homemade wheatgrass juice shots and doing like, like all this juicing and all this stuff. I think that my body just really was literally absorbing nothing. So I think, I think like eventually that malnourishment caught up with me and I started to feel really bad, but, um, there's still like this part in the back of my mind where I'm like, what if I'm wrong about carnivore? Mm -hmm. Like, what if, what if every, steak that i eat what if all this like and i i source like grass-fed stuff and do grass-fed lamb and i always try to pick the best ingredients that i can i'm like what if i'm wrong what if i'm just clogging my arteries and i just like you know i'm 34 what if i what if i drop dead or have a heart attack in 10 years or five years because i i got this wrong you know like and then it's hard because there's no like you said there's no research there's no long-term studies on like what do you how do you feel about that
1: pollution right Mm-hmm. Except our history. For ninety sure. nine point ninety nine percent of our existence, all we ate was red meat and we had no heart disease, we had no cancers, yeah. we were our skeletons were taller, our brains were actually bigger, our skulls were larger to accommodate also uh, that larger brain, which meant our jaws were larger and we never had misalignment of the teeth. It was only when we stopped eating carnivore diet around 10,000 years ago, we started harvesting grains and beans. All of a sudden now you see a drastic drop in our health. And this is very well known, you know, just Google the, the agricultural revolution, the, right. the health cost we paid, right? Um, it, was, it was a good trade because um, we... Our main source of nutrition large woolly mammoths and animals went extinct and there are many theories as to what happened climate change over hunting asteroid hit us point is we didn't have enough nutrition from a carnivore diet so it's like are we gonna starve to death or are we gonna be adaptable and figure out some other forms of calories so that's what we did we figured out we can get calories from other sources but we paid a very heavy price for that hmm. so that's why I what I do for my clients, because a lot of my clients have the same doubts, especially if they're having cravings for something like how bad is an apple, really. If but if somebody has an autoimmune issue, then it's really bad for them, right? right. It really depends. Um and so I have a playlist for them that I ask them to listen to on, a, on an occasional basis or regular basis, not, sorry, not occasionally, very important, regular basis. Mm-hmm. And it's a client nutrition education playlist where I've added all of the mini documentaries or any content pieces that I can find that goes over the history of every single plant food that we're eating that we think is a natural food. It never existed. I Look know. the wild version of cucumber, you know? Yeah. Lettuce potatoes were tiny, bitter, mostly toxic, like none of this food that we think of as food was ever present, ever, right, for millions of years, you know, so that is very helpful to realize, um, and then you can always get CAC scans and CTA, right, CT um, scans to to make sure and kind of like, give yourself the peace of mind that actually, no, you're, much healthier than the vast majority of your peers, people your age, that are probably have a little bit more calcification, more plaque. So it's yeah. easy to, to figure those things out. It's, and then over time, that increased education and the proof, the real hard data evidence that you have of your test results, then that's going to eventually get you more comfortable with this way of eating.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's like hard to deny. Cause I've had a lot of, I mean, my, my digestion, uh, mm-hmm. despite, you know, like I said, having Crohn's in my family, I've, I've not had digestive issues since I've started, whether, whether I have fruit or whether I haven't had fruit, my digestion has never been better. Um, yeah. sleep better uh, mentally. Uh, just I've, I felt more focused. Um, my skin just has looked like really good. I mean, I, I feel like I exercise a lot and I drink a lot of water and there's things that I do that have helped me, you know, even though I'm 34, I get a lot of people that are like, Oh, I thought you were in your, you know, your mid twenties or whatever. Um, I, I think that, you know, carnivore is as even more. So I, I have just like a different, like my, my skin just feels better. It looks better too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, don't, I mean, i I felt really good. I, I definitely feel like this is something that I want to stick with and so we were talking about, you know, I've I've gone back and forth between like full keto or adding fruit. I'm I'm definitely on the like vegetables are not good for me. Uh, I, I'm pretty sold yeah, on that because from. yeah, because every time I eat vegetables, I can immediately see the effects, and I don't want to go into yeah. like too much detail, but it, it's it's immediate. It's and every <laughs> once in a while, like I'll have a a cheat meal. Cause I, I like a Caesar salad and I just don't put croutons in it, but I make the dressing mm. at home and I'll use like um, cold pressed olive oil and like real anchovies. And um, that, that's like my, my cheat meal. And I, I mean, I'll have, you know, half the time when I eat a Caesar salad, the next day I have digestive issues. So, oh,
1: wow, yeah.
0: um, but that's, you know, I just enjoy it. So I'm, I'm willing to, to have that You're every once in a while. you to pay
1: the price. But,
0: yeah. But that's, that's the cheat meal. Like the cheat meal isn't, you know, it's, it's not pizza anymore. It's like, let me have a Caesar salad. Um,
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, wish we have more studies, but even if they start doing them now, which Harvard has started, you know, but like, oh, we need so much for, for us to have undeniable proof so that the dietary guidelines can be changed with EATS, you know?
0: Do you think it's possible? Do you even think it's possible? Yeah. Like, Right. Not anytime soon. It's like, yeah.
1: It's like, a, we're, we're, ta- we're, we're like way too progressive for all of this stuff. I think it won't change for the next 30 years minimum.
0: Sure. If
1: not more. Yeah. There's just too much money at stake. Yeah. I think Kellogg's and Nestle is going to sit around, you know, with all their money and sit around and wait as, uh, as we change the guidelines away from their products and sure. towards more real whole foods. That's, we're, you know, they're going
0: to fight. Yeah, and, that, and that's like the thing that's so crazy, right? Is it's it's easy to look and say like there's a conspiracy to keep people um, sick, right? But it's I like
1: don't think it's a conspiracy,
0: right? It's no. just more so like I want money. It's like our company wants money, and what what produces us money is like all right, we want people to eat these things, and they just don't really care yeah. about the effects. Yeah. It's
1: a lot. Of, there are a lot of people who just go through life wanting to have a balanced lifestyle maybe maybe they're just genetically you know very lean they don't have real issues you know so they've never had a reason to doubt the guidelines you know so it's like yeah you know i it's fine to eat bread just to have a piece of cake or have some balance or whatever and those are the people who can have they have no problem taking those jobs you know in those food companies and uh, just pushing for the advertisement and targeting the children, like, oh, what's going to happen if we target children with, you know, um, cereal with toys in them? So they come at it from, from just like kind of like a naive, um, I think, perspective.
0: Yeah, it's just about the money. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they get good jobs. I mean, it's so easy to get hired um, in those food companies. One, I mean, I. I had, Nestle wanted to hire me. I wasn't even, I hadn't even finished my doctorate. Um, They were already giving us their cards. I was like, the moment we are done, give us a call. We'd like to have you, you know, but, um, and and then they they give you the perks, you know, the vacations and um, all of the little frills that come along with that. And I have a lot of dietitian friends of mine who, they, clearly are very unhealthy if you look at them and but they don't care they, they'll just uh, spew out whatever the academy says just to be on the safe side and they'll take those jobs and I don't get it because like my brain just doesn't work like that <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit of a rebel you know and I'm a little too blunt I can't bite my tongue it hurts so I don't know I can't understand what goes on in other people's brains for me it's, it blows my mind
0: Sure. If I if we have somebody out there listening right now, and like let's say they're not on the carnivore train, they're not like you know they're just average average human being, right? If if you take just the average American, the average person, and you could say, here are my top three tips. Here here are the first three things I want you to do to get healthier. Um, and it can be in general or it can be with diet what what are your top three what are what are like the three there's really one thing okay one thing all right get uncomfortable yeah
1: (laughs) get those uncomfortable minutes Hmm. the more you get uncomfortable I can I prefer cardio I think is a good way to track it you can't lie to yourself how much discomfort you you know it's like if it was five minutes of discomfort today you can't lie to yourself if you track it It means tomorrow you can do six Because you've already done five, you know, you're not going to stop short at three when the day before you've done five minutes. Once you have that, you build that brain up again. Even, by the way, if you don't have a dopamine deficit, you can still build that dopamine higher. You will naturally reduce self-administration of drugs and addictive behaviors. They've actually done studies with rats. I remember posting about it on my Instagram. Um, I should film a YouTube video on that because I think it's just so, so such imp- such an important study. Rats given a wheel to exercise on versus rats who didn't have a form of exercise in their cages. The ones who moved naturally reduced their self-administration of heroin. Hmm. They just weren't interested in the heroin that was given to them ad libitum free- as much as they wanted. Versus the ones who couldn't have access to the working out they 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 got their dopamine hit in a different way from the drug so if you just focus on upregulating that brain and getting uncomfortable you will naturally feel kind of like that taking that limitless bill you know that movie with bradley cooper <laughs> yeah. yeah you can get that but if you earn it you don't have to crash afterwards it's just people they it's much easier not to earn it to get those cheap hits of dopamine, which end up destroying the brain. So, what you wanna do is build the brain back up. But of course, it's gonna be uncomfortable. In the beginning, eventually, you start getting used to it. You start getting used to this yeah. feeling. So, uh, for me, if I don't get mo- those minutes in in the day, I feel like, wow, I wasted a day. Like, what did I do today? I didn't progress. Because I know that that is the central thing that's going to influence how easy it is for me to eat right how easy it is for me to be productive. I'm four, five, six, seven times more productive. I don't waste time. I don't have the urge to pick up my phone anymore. It can be right next to me. I don't have to, I don't install trackers, timers, apps that will stop me from, none of that. Why? I have enough self-control easily because I've already built it up in an uncomfortable way. But now for the rest of the day, everything's easy.
0: Sure. Great advice. yeah yeah there you go <laughs> yeah very good. um, so I wanna shift at at kind of the end segment here. I always like to ask my guests a little bit about like their personal habits and lifestyles just because anytime I you know find someone interesting enough or you know someone has some value to bring to the listeners, I like to look at maybe things that they're doing personally that you know yeah. listeners can pick up so the the first thing I always like to ask about is. Do you have any daily habits that you run through?
1: Yeah, we, I guess you already know what I'm going to say, right? The most mm-hmm. important part. Um, I try to get it first thing in the morning, roll out of bed and train. Um, but, it, you know, even if sometimes like say this morning I had an early interview, um, my, I, I, I destroyed my treadmill. I just bought a new one. So we're waiting on it to get delivered in four days. I'll have a new
0: yeah, it sounds so like you have, need like a really badass treadmill. You're like going to kill that. I thing. Did,
1: I, yeah, I'm so excited because I got one that's faster and better than the one that I had. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's like the number one thing in, in terms of a non-negotiable that I gotta have in my day. Um, and I and for <clears throat> me, I used to be all about morning routines, evening routines, do this, do that, a gazillion things was just trying to work around the dopamine deficit, trying to escape getting uncomfortable. You know, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is what I'm missing. Maybe this is what I'm missing. Da, da, da. And then once you put that in place, once you actually fix the dopamine, I don't need to have routines anymore. I don't need, I have mental clarity. My memory is sharp. Creativity is through the roof. And so I just know what I got to do. I, I, and I, and I just am like a robot, like a machine for the rest of the day. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, so I'm assuming, I'm, I'm guessing, right? We haven't talked about it, but I'm, I'm guessing that you probably read fairly regularly as well. Um, I do
1: educate myself. I'm, I'm a huge nerd. I have always been like that. Yeah.
0: What what would your top two book recommendations be? If you pick two books out of all the books you read, said, hey, these are what I recommend.
1: Huh. Books that I recommend. Wow, there's so many. It's so difficult. Um, the Biology of Belief, Dr. Bruce Lipton, is a fantastic book about how your thoughts can actually change your DNA and your genes. Mm-hmm. And it's just how much what you believe is is the real strength and how much it influences the material and physical world around you. Um, I think that was a life-changing book for me. And then... Uh, Wow. There's so many, yeah, I can't. there's just too much. I mean, David Goggins books, obviously you knew, you knew I was going to say that, um, the carnivore diet book, I think, I think once you have certain basics, the mindset, the diet, the training, that's it. You're set.
0: Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'll definitely have to check out the biology of belief. I, I, yeah, the author, I know I've heard his name before, but I, I've never read any of his works, So going yeah he was a
1: a professor of medicine at stanford back when they had just started doing research in stem cells and he would see how his stem cells in the petri dish um would be so influenced by their environment whatever he put in the petri dish and then but he would have to go and teach his medical students the textbook information stating that genes are your destiny it's like that's clearly not true And eventually you know quit that job and wrote started writing books and he's very well known he's kind of like a a a bridges like the spiritual world with the science world how they both work together and how if you look at our atoms um if you look at the atom the 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 more you magnify it the close and 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 the bigger of a picture you get of the smallest components of an atom what are they like quarks and things like that yeah Mm -hmm. they lose their um physical characteristics and they start functioning more like a wave as opposed yeah. to like solid matter where light can't pass or like they're solid it's just some mind-blowing stuff yeah for sure people if you're not yeah it's it's a very it's it's a long book so maybe you can start by watching a presentation he's got a, multiple presentations on it some of them are two hours long goes over the main elements of the book or like one hour long is a more of a you know summary of the book i think that's very helpful to get the the gist of it and then you can dive into the book
0: sure great sounds like a great recommendation i'm yeah. i'm adding it to my list yeah uh, you'd love it. what what about like personal heroes do you do you have any personal heroes or anyone that you look up to goggins god i knew you were gonna say goggins this it's the it's the goggins right. show
1: Right, it's a Goggins show, yeah, Goggins yeah. is a, definitely, Um and you know, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of people that I look up to, of course, in different areas, um, I think, you know, success leaves clues, and you have to always uh, be paying very special attention to what's working, not what you would like for it to work, but what is actually working, because um, you don't want to reinvent the wheel in every single thing you want to do, um, but yeah, I would say Goggins is the main one.
0: I've I've talked about him several times on the show with several different guests, and it's I, I think that um, while he's incredibly radical, right? I think it's super radical what he's saying. I, I definitely think that like Goggins is a <clears throat> he's like a medicine for the sickness of like how. Like soft, our culture has become, right? It's like you yeah. have to have something so radical to to kind of fight exactly. against that. He's and not it's not
1: radical. It's just we, people have gone so soft that they think that yeah. that's radical. You know, like like yeah. that that should be normal. You know, sure. yeah. And the thing is, it's it, you don't have to go from zero to one hundred miles. You know, you can just the pro, the journey from zero to ten miles will transform your life in a way. You'll be a completely different person just to, to hit that goal, you know, and then yeah. we, maybe it would take you two hours to do those 10 miles. Eventually, you can get it done in one hour. So It's not like it's a, a large investment of your time, you know, but over time, you're, you're just literally transforming your brain, which is transforming every aspect of your
0: life. Everything. Right. Yeah, so true. And the, the last question that I had for you, this is the one that, you know, tends to stump people a little bit. But if you could hop in a time machine, go back in time, talk to a younger you, I always say teenage years because I just feel like that's where we're really lost a lot of times. Okay. And you could give some advice to a younger version of you. What yeah. What would the advice be? What would the piece of advice be?
1: Hang in there. Your struggle is your greatest advantage. Your, the, everything mm, you're, you're going yeah. through right now that you can't see a way out of, this is going to be exactly why you're gonna be successful on a whole other level, way more than anybody else.
0: Great, great advice. That that's the, I think that's definitely the most popular answer so far. Is like some version of, like just hang in there or just believe or just keep going. Cause I think it, it's so easy for us to get fixated on the obstacles on our path or to get fixated on the things that are difficult. And it, we feel like it's never going to end and it's this terrible experience. But I feel like every time I've gone through something like that, when I look back on that experience, I'm like, I'm so not necessarily ha- like glad. Cause sometimes there are regrets that are, you know, are like, I'm, not happy that that thing happened but it's like i look back at that and i'm like i would not be the human being that i am today without that experience and it yeah inevitably causes this growth right the discomfort that we seek causes this growth on a personal level that's how
1: you grow the fastest yeah einstein i think i'm not sure if that was his quote but something along the lines of you never pay more than for the things you get for free you know when you mm-hmm. get an easy life you're the, you, those are the people that they, they pay the most eventually yeah you know and they don't have that resiliency they have those limiting beliefs they don't they don't they, they they're just too realistic too practical to, you know and they never really end up changing the world they so had true. it too easy yeah, they yeah. peak. The, it's kind of like the people who peaked in high school. You know this—the uh, common uh, yes. idea we have, like in movies. It is true, though. It's just yeah. so
0: true. It's like they—they they were the prom king. They were the captain of the. The high school football team and then like five years later they got this huge beer belly and they're working in a factory and they got 10 kids that are running around screaming and it's
1: true they don't know what hardship was it never gave them the hunger to earn for more because they always had what they wanted so they didn't develop that hunger to strive for more they didn't develop the resilience to push through the discomfort of actually uh, progressing in life um there's just so many things that go along with that. You're gonna you get um, this sense of entitlement. Things should be given to you. So I don't know. I think there's so many things explain why it's just such a common occurrence uh, for when people have it easy. But it's it's, uh, it's kind of like the the saying, right? Uh, good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard mm-hmm. times uh, create strong men. Something like that. I don't yeah. know why it's not with women, but. It's okay. Well, Well, we're not going to turn this into a
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it was just from a time where, like you know, men Mm -hmm. men ran everything. You know, there weren't there weren't any women running things yet. So
1: yeah, not yet, but we're changing things.
0: Yeah, it's definitely definitely changing. Um, so I think it's you know a good spot to wrap up. I I wish I had more time with you. I I could have gone. There's a lot of rabbit holes I could have gone down with you. Maybe I can get you back on at some point, but um. If, if anybody wants to look you up, learn more about your work, you know, carnivore diet, your coaching, like how how should, sh- should someone reach out to you? How would they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so it's very easy. You can check out my YouTube channel, Dr. Sarah Zaldivar, S-A-R-A-H, Zaldivar. I think my name is showing up. I'm not sure on the screen. Um, and Instagram at Dr. Dr. Sarah with an H, dot Zaldivar. So basically my name, it's very easy to find me. Um, you can email me at drsarahzaldivar at gmail.com but you know you'll you will find all the content there on my instagram i do have the pinned posts for the coaching if you're interested um yeah it's rather easy to find me Drsarazaldovar.com is my website it's a little bit down right now <laughs> i was in the process of uh switching it from hostgator onto squarespace so i've transferred the domain onto squarespace but i actually have to dedicate time to like Populated a little bit, at least with the coaching information there. Um, sure. and I haven't done that just quite, but I do have the domain. It's there. It'll always be mine. I'm never letting it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, you got my, got my wheels turned a little bit about the, a little bit more about the dopamine stuff. So I really appreciate speaking with you and, uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com Or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.